Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show Shark Tank, and you're listening to the Underdog Podcast. I've been too high up to fall, question marks, what's up with y'all? All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs, underdogs. All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, 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 underdogs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Underdog Podcast. Today, I have an incredible guest here with me, Dom, the hypnotist. Dom, I don't know if you've hypnotized me yet before getting on this call or what. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know you haven't been beautiful. hypnotized the whole time? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited to meet you, my friend. As I was mentioning before this call, I was like, man, I can't wait to hear like how you got into this world and just like... You know, I, I have a feeling we're going to break through some myth busting of being hypnotized and things like that. Because, you know, just society thinks you're like in this weird room with this round little like black and white circle. And it's right. like, Dom's world, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm excited to hear where it all kind of goes from. So thank you so much for being here, my friend. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, no, it's before I got into hypnosis, I had all the same kind of like, oh, is it real? Is it fake? What is it? And most of the time when you think about hypnotists, it's like, oh, it's probably some old white guy with like gray hair and a mustache with glasses. And he's going to like exactly what you said, stare into my circle and you're going to be hypnotized. And it's just, it's not, it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> so I absolutely love it. I mean, it's totally not. Right? So I've met I've met people in, the, in this realm, and it's just like it's it's as opposite as you can get. But it's kind of you know it's super cool. So I can't yeah. wait for everybody to kind of learn about all of that, what it is that you do. But before we get into all that, I'm going to reverse it back quite a bit because we got to take it from the beginning. So I'm curious, Dom. As a kid, what did you want to be growing up? Like, what was your dream? You know, I, I think as a kid, a lot of athletic kids we think oh we're going to be a basketball or you know baseball or this or that and then as you grow up you quickly realize like oh wow i don't even have the attributes the physical attributes to do a lot of that stuff i mean i'm a big guy i'm six foot three 240 pounds but that's not a that's not a basketball player you know what i mean so i didn't really have any aspirations or other than that i wasn't thinking like i want to be a doctor or a firefighter i just was like i knew i always wanted to make money i mean from the time I was a little kid, I was a kid like always scrounging for change and dollars, like at my dad's house, just flipping up the couches. You know, I would go around our neighborhood and our, my uncle had a card, card business where he sold cards at the time. And he had a ton of cards in our garage. So like I would take my little brother and we'd go around the neighborhood and try to like sell cards to people. I had the lemonade stand, like the typical Entre a lot of entrepreneurs kind of have that story, you know, of selling stuff when they're kids. So I was always like that, yeah, even as a kid, you know? I love that. I love it. Did you have a lemonade stand too? This is like an entrepreneur yeah. story. At my dad's really? house. Yeah, oh right on the, gosh. he had a, he had like a corner. He still lives there. He has a corner lot and we would just put up like, it was, I don't even think we had a sign. I think we were just out there with the table and like some lemon, the lemonade probably tasted like trash. You know what I mean? <laughs> but we were trying, giving it our best. Well, I mean, that's prime real estate. Corner lots are the best. Yeah, for, yeah. For that type uh, of thing. a lot of traffic right there. Well, that's he lives incredible. in like the hood. So uh, in his neighborhood, you got the elote man, which is, he's like a little Mexican dude that rolls around with like a corn. And then he put he puts like mayonnaise and cheese on the corn and they sell those. Uh, wow. And then they have a little ice cream man. So the ice cream man rolls around with the little Mexican ice creams that are like coconut and mango, really good stuff. So we had, we had some fierce competition is what I'm saying. <laughs> I think it's complimentary because they can get the drinks from you and then go get the corn and then they have yeah, ice cream. That's true. That's a three course that's meal true. right there. 
That's, That's true. Amazing. Oh my goodness. So where did you grow up? Uh, so I was born in Madera, California. And so my parents had me when they were in high school there. My mom was 15. My dad was 17. And my mom's side of the family, uh, her mom, my grandma had my mom when she was 16. And then my great grandmother had my grandma when she was a teenager as well. So the joke I always tell people is, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm half Mexican <laughs> and that's, that's proof there, you know, three generations of teen moms, you know, growing up, my parents didn't stay together. And when my mom was 18, she joined the military. And so, you know, right around, I think it was like three, four years old. I ended up moving to Maryland with my mother and her new husband now. And then we moved to, after living there for a few years, we moved to Hawaii and we lived there for a few years. Then we moved to Washington and we lived there for a few years. And then we finally came back to California. So I kind of grew up all over the place, but my main roots was Gilroy, California. It's right. It's a southernmost city in the Bay area for the considered the Bay area in California. So that's where I grew up. And then since then I've, you know, now I'm in Vegas and I've been here for about seven years or so. That's amazing. Las Vegas. Oh my goodness. In California too. I love that you've kind of been like all over the place. So you've yeah, experienced yeah. the East coast. I'm uh, in Boston, Massachusetts. I always cry over the weather. This is what we do on the, on the uh, East coast. <laughs> we cry over weather all the time. That's oh funny. my goodness. That's super, super cool. And so Don, like who was the, your biggest source of inspiration, like growing up, like who, who or what, I guess you could say, or it could be multiple people, multiple things. Well, at the time, you know, you don't realize it, but definitely my mom had a huge role in who I became as an adult because, you know, when she had me and she's a kid, she had to figure out, okay, how do I provide for him and how to, and then later on my brothers and sisters. So from the time I can remember, my mom was just like a hard, hard worker. Again, she joined the military. She was there for a few years. And then she got out and she started doing other things. And then eventually she went on to start her own state farm insurance agency, like a little bit later in life, I think it was maybe 12 or so. So not only did she work all these jobs and provide for us and everything, she also got her bachelor's and her master's degree all throughout those years as well while having kids. So just seeing that it just instilled such a work ethic and discipline in myself to be able to go out and make stuff happen. And uh, definitely the work ethic has paid off uh, dividends. Um, So yeah, I, I would definitely say my mom was a huge, again, when you're a kid, you don't realize it. You're just seeing it and you're taking it in subconsciously and you're kind of learning things. But looking back as an adult, that was a huge you know, he's seeing, cause again, she had me when she was 15, she could have very easily went in the opposite direction of like staying at home and just, you know, living off the system and just being lazy. Cause that does happen to a lot of people. Right. Uh, but she's decided to make a better life for us that thank, thankfully, you know, that's amazing. Oh my goodness. I love that Dom. I love that. I mean, yeah, I mean, the tenacity is, is next level. I mean, at, at 15, you know, to have that kind of mindset is absolutely incredible. And to go on and go get her bachelor's or master's work in the military, then open her own business that that speaks volumes. Yeah, now she owns that. two state farms going on her third one. And not many people are even own two, let alone going on the third. So she, she, she does well for herself. <laughs> Oh my God. Go mom. I love that. I love that. Oh my gosh. So then when you guys went back to California, after you moved through the different places and when you got back to Cali, what age were you at that point? 12, 12, Uh, 12, 13. It was uh, seventh grade, whatever age we are in seventh grade. I think 13, 12, 13. Gotcha. Gotcha. So walk me through like those years and kind of what, where, where did Dom go throughout those years when you came back to Cali? 
remember I was saying like when I was a kid, I wanted to be, I wanted to play basketball and all this stuff. And yeah. when I was younger, I was really good at sports. And then looking back again, I didn't realize this was what happening. It was happening at the time, but every single time that we moved, it affected my confidence because now I was like the new kid coming in and I didn't really have that momentum. And so like yeah. every time we moved, I just kind of got a little bit, I just lost a little bit of that a little bit of, uh, again, the confidence in sports. Right? right. So when I moved to California, that was the first time I like, wasn't a starter on the basketball team and all that kind of stuff. And it was just kind of a weird thing, but the kids were just better than me. Right. And again, it was that anxiety of like, Oh, it's a new school. I have to meet people. You don't want to like stand out too much. Cause at the same time you might get picked on that, all that kind of weird stuff, you know, again, not knowing this as a kid, this is just me as a 35 year old man reflecting back on my life, kind of what, what happened there. So yeah. And then, you know, from, I started skateboarding, skateboarding was like one of my loves for probably four or five years. I would do that every day, skateboard, basketball, skateboard, basketball. Those are my two favorite things. And then when I was in 10th grade, I was on the basketball team and I was just a fucking asshole to my teachers. Like not all of them, but a few of them for sure. And one day I made this teacher just cry because I just wouldn't shut the hell up, you know, just in the back of the class, just being, being a fool, being a class clown or whatever. And so that led to me getting kicked off the basketball team. So once I got kicked off the basketball team, I just kind of took a little bit of a different turn. And so after that, I started selling weed. I think it was like 15 or 16 years old. And that was kind of my, after the lemonade stand and all that, that was my next entrepreneurial journey. So then, <laughs> yeah. So it. this is so back weird. when like weed was illegal or really illegal, at least back then. So yeah. nowadays it's like, yeah, whatever, you know, but back then it was, it was like a huge risk. So I was looked at as like the bad kid, right. I was supplying everybody, all my basketball friends and all the athletes and stuff with, with weed and that kind of stuff. And then there was a series of, you know, events that happened, you know, with all that kind of stuff. And then basically right around 18 and a half, 19 years old, I kind of decided like, dude, this is just too much. I don't want to be, cause there's a lot of shady stuff that goes on at least back then with that kind of being in the drug quote unquote world. So I just was like, you know what? I gotta, I gotta do something that's gonna, I don't want to be stressing about all the time worried. Am I going to get caught? What's going to happen? You know? So then I started selling life insurance and that was my next sort of entrepreneurial journey. Um, but more legit, right? So lead to life insurance. I yeah. Love it. I that, love it. Well, here's what actually oh happened. You want to know what happened? I do. I, I, absolutely I was a fucking do. asshole back in the day. <laughs> so when I was, maybe we'll get into the other story, but I know we have limited time. So I'll just tell you the story of how I actually started selling life insurance. So my buddy and I, we grew some weed at his house and then we, you know, we sold it, whatever. And that was kind of when I was like, okay, I'm done with this. I just want to get in, like do something legit so I could build my life. And so I actually got a job at Google through a temp agency. So this is back in like 2006, 2007 or something like that. And at the time we were doing Google maps. So what happened, what we would do is they would take a satellite picture of like a zip code or whatever. And then there was just a, a room full of people just going through and like making the outlines of the streets and stuff like that. And then there was another division, like double check. And then there's another one. So we were doing Google Maps back then. Uh, I think we were doing Mexico, if I remember. So now here's the funny thing about Google at this job. You would think it was like a bunch of nerds and a bunch of people, you know, that are just like skinny little dorks or whatever, but it wasn't. It was 
a bunch of like hood people up in this, up in Google. Like we had bloods, we had crips, you know what I mean? Like just people that were in gangs, not everybody, but there was like a good amount of people that were in all these. You had like the Tongans, the Samoan, and all this stuff. It's so it was like funny. almost like almost like a mini kind of oh prison God. kind of thing, if that makes sense. I've just been envisioning like you walking in and it's like you got bloods, you got crips, you got this, you got that. And you're just like, Am I at Google? Like what? I know it was well, because Google is in Palo Alto. And yeah. right across the bridge, there's East Palo Alto. And then you have like all, all that area right there. There's a lot of like bad neighborhoods, right? Yeah. And you're working oh through God. a temp agency, getting paid 12 bucks an hour. So you're not like getting <laughs> college graduates, right? You're getting people that are just like, just barely trying to get a job, whatever. So I was like one of the only white dudes. And I had, back then I had hair, I didn't have a beard. So I, I was just like a pretty boy, right? As like, maybe and i was like 190 pounds way smaller than i am now and i'm telling you this because it has relevance to the story that i'm going to tell you how i got into doing google but <laughs> so one day i'm sitting next to my i made friends with this giant tongan guy tongan is like basically samoan right but it's a different island in in that area and he was he was a blood so that's what his thing was and whatever well then there was this guy so it was me i'm sitting here he's sitting here and then there was this other guy who was a asian guy i think he was cambodian and he was in like an Asian gang. He was like always wearing blue. So, but I don't think they had a conflict with, I don't know. It was weird. It was just weird. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> so anyways, one day we're kind of like bussing balls, meaning we're just joking back and forth, me and my Tongan buddy. And I'm making fun of him. He's making fun of me. We're doing our Google maps or whatever. And I noticed every time my Tongan buddy would make a joke at me that this guy over here, who I have no idea who he is, he would start laughing. And so finally, but then when I would make a joke, which were funny, he wouldn't laugh. So I like, I kind of leaned over. I'm not going to repeat what I said because it's completely <laughs> unnecessary, but I said something <laughs> that really like hit home for him. And he just got up in my face. was like, what? You don't know me, blah, blah, blah. This and that, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like getting all like, like just flaring up on me. Right. And he basically was calling me out. Now, again, you got to remember, this is like, kind of like a little, again, it's not prison, but it's like that kind of mentality. So I'm thinking if I let this dude punk me right now, everybody stopped their work. Cause he just got up and started yelling in my face. I'm like, Oh shit. If I let this dude punk me right now, everybody's going to think I'm a, you know what? So yep. I basically, I stood up. I was like, all right, let's go outside then. And then he kind of paused. I don't think he was waiting. Cause again, I was like one of the only white dudes in there and I was a pretty boy. So he was expecting like, he was just going to punk me and I was just going to back down. So at the end of class, I waited outside for him and like, it was a whole scene. Everybody came. So the next day, long story short, I got fired. Right. So now here's how I got an insurance two days before that. I got a call from like a random number and they're like, Hey, do you want to do this job interview for this company? Da, 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 da. It was on Friday at 10 o'clock. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, sure. So I didn't start work till 12 at Google. So I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. And I hung up the phone. I wasn't even going to go. I was like, ah, I might as well just book it just in case. I don't know, whatever. Maybe I'll check it out. Well, I got fired on a Thursday. So <laughs> Friday morning, I was like, all right, I got no choice. I got to go. I got to go to this job interview. So I went to the job interview. The guy sold me on it. And so, and then I started selling insurance, you know, a few months later after I took my test and all that. So that was my, uh, that's how I got into selling insurance. <laughs> that's hilarious. I thought you were going to say you hypnotized everybody and all this. <laughs> oh, I didn't know anything about hypnosis back then. I just, I was just, a, so 
always getting in fights and just being an asshole. Now I'm completely different. Like I, you'd have to really do something to take me to that point of like being upset with people. So I'm more Zen and you know what I mean? So how did we get from life insurance to the Zen? I want to, I want to hear the stories. (laughs) Yeah. So from 18 to 30, for the most part, I sold life insurance. There was a couple of things. I, I tried to start a solar company. It failed. I tried to do a couple of the things didn't work out. So, and my journey was probably, you know, it was like most people just like having success and then kind of losing it, having success and losing it, or just getting complacent sometimes. And it just like, no matter, and I worked really, really hard. Like I was a very hard worker, way harder than I do now. Like now, if my younger self would look at me now and be like, dude, you are lazy, bro. But this, that was my journey. Well, in the first five years, I was really excited about it. Cause I was like 20, 21, making like 110, 120 grand that, which was back then 15 years ago or whatever, that was kind of like a lot of money. Right. That's yeah. like making a quarter million now as a, as a 21 or 20, 20 year old. So I was like, yeah, you know, I'm doing it. But then I kind of lost my steam and then I got, I took some time off. I tried to do these other ventures, didn't work out. So I'm like, okay, usually when we're in fear, we just go back to what we know. So I went back to selling insurance and the last two years that I was selling insurance, I freaking hated my life. I was just, I was just doing it to make money. You know what I mean? Like that was all I knew from 18 to that time. And so what would happen is I would drive around every day and I would just think to myself like, man, am I really going to be doing this for the next 20, 30 years? Like this can't be it. You know what I mean? Like there's gotta be something else out there. There's gotta be another way. And, and I always knew, I don't know why it maybe is my ego or something, but I always knew like, I'm meant to be somebody like I'm meant to be somebody important. That's how I felt. Right. Like I'm meant to be somebody that people come to for advice or that, that teaches and leads people. So I always knew I was meant to do something more. I just didn't know what it was. So, uh, one day my mom calls me and she's like, oh, son, you know, um, I went to this course and they teach you NLP and hypnosis. And oh my God, it was so amazing. Like it helped me so much. I feel so great. Like you got to do it. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Like how much is the course? And she's like, oh, it's, you know, 3,500 bucks. Right. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll think about it. Yeah. I'll let you know or whatever. Right. I didn't tell my mom this at the time because it was embarrassing, but the month prior I was so, I just basically, like I got myself in a bunch of debt and all this stuff, trying these other business ventures that didn't work out. And I, a month prior, I had to call up the bank. I'm like, Hey, I can't make my $600 a month car payment, you know, come get the car. Cause I had too much, my ego wouldn't let the bank come and repossess it. You know, I didn't want the, them to show up at my apartment with a tow truck. Like that's so embarrassing. So I had to call them. I'm like, Hey, just come get it. I'll, I'll just give it to you guys. I let all my credit cards go. And cause I couldn't, it was like 40 something thousand. And I just said, okay, I just got to like, let all this shit go and kind of restart and build myself back up. So I, my point of all that is I didn't have 3,500 bucks. You know what I mean? I had a couple hundred or whatever at the time. So then fast forward Christmas of 2018, my mom, her Christmas gift that she got me was not the same course, but it was an introduction course. So it was like a two and a half day hypnosis certification, right? So I was like, oh, this is cool. You know, I'll I'll go to this course and maybe I'll learn like a cool party trick, you know, like you grab somebody's hand and go sleep, right? Or whatever. 
And, or, you know, and the other thing was, I was like, okay, maybe I could like, cause I heard about Rob Deerdeck getting hypnotized for success. Like when he was younger. So I was like, oh, maybe I could get hypnotized for success. And like, I'll actually be able to, you know, level up in my business and in my insurance business or whatever. So I go to this course and I have zero desire to become a hypnotist. Like when I say zero, I literally mean zero. It was the furthest thing from my mind. But when I went to that course, you know, I think I said in the beginning, like my idea of a hypnotist was some old scrawny white guy that wears a, a collar shirt and glasses. And he's like, oh, you're getting sleepy, right? So I'm like, those are just dorks. Like, I don't want anything to do with that. But anyways, I went to this course, no offense to the dorks out there. Hey, it is what it is. But uh, I went to this course and in those two and a half days, I just completely transformed as a person. Like when I got out, I walked different, I talked different, I looked different, I felt different, just everything about me was different. I just felt excited in the sense of like passion finally. And, and, and I hadn't had that in, in a long time. And so when I got out of that course, I said, you know what, this is it. This is the thing when I'd be driving around thinking there's gotta be something else, you know, there's gotta be another way. I'm like, this is the thing I've been looking for. And I'm like, this is what I was put on this earth to do. Yeah. If I can help people feel like I feel right now in two and a half days and I could get paid to do it, sign me up. So initially, now that's cool, right? I'm all excited and gung-ho, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I went to a two and a half day course. Like, I don't really know. Number one, I, I, I did know hypnosis a little bit, but not enough to like be confident enough to, to go out and like do it with strangers, right? I did it with people on the course, but they paid to be there. And I didn't know how to actually monetize it and make it like sustainable income for myself. So I made an initial goal. I said, hey, six months or sooner from today, I want to transition over full-time from selling insurance to doing hypnosis. Now, I was so fed up with insurance at the time that I literally was like, dude, I don't even care if I make the same money. I would just be happy if I could pay my bills. Like if I could just, because when I let all my cars and all that stuff go, like my bills dropped down, right? But uh, I was like, okay, if I could just pay my bills, I'm cool with that. So over the next two weeks, I went out and I just started posting on my Instagram, hey, who wants to get hypnotized for free? Who wants to get hypnotized for free? Who wants to get hypnotized for free, right? And within those first two weeks, I hypnotized over a hundred people. And two weeks to the day, I woke up, I had 10 appointments to go sell insurance. And, you know, I just, when I looked at my schedule and my calendar, I was just like, dude, I can't do this another fucking day. Like, I was just like, I'm, I'm done. So I messaged my assistant uh, who's still with, with me till this day. And I said, hey, call everybody on the schedule. And I said, tell them, I'm not coming in today. And I said, that's it. I'm not, and I just made a declaration. I'm never selling another insurance policy ever again in my life. And I quit. And then my first two clients, I called up my little brother. I was like, yo, I I'm not selling insurance anymore. I'm going to do hypnosis full time. I need your help. I'm going to hook you up with a deal. I'm going to give you two sessions for 200 bucks. And my little brother, he's probably like 20, 21 at the time. He don't got money like that. And he's like, oh man, I don't really have any money. And I'm like, bro, come on, fucking help me out, dude. I need your help. He's like, oh, he's like, all right. So I got him to do it, right? I kind of just big brothered him into it. And then I call my little sister. I'm like, hey, I gave her the same pitch. And she's like, oh, okay. She was more like, okay, cool. So my first two clients, my little brother and sister, I made 400 bucks my first day doing hypnosis. And I, and I worked with them. So then, you know, then I hit a series of just lucky thing, like one thing after another, just bam, bam, bam. So a few weeks later, my buddy, uh, so I do jujitsu and I live in Vegas. Vegas is the fight capital of the world. So you get a lot of UFC fighters, a lot of MMA guys are here. 
So my buddy, my buddy calls me. He's like, Hey man, do you want to go to the UFC performance Institute to have lunch uh, with one of our training partners, uh, Julian? He's in the UFC. I was like, hell yeah, dude. I've never been there before. So I'm like, I'm stoked. I'm like, dude, I get to go to the performance Institute. Hell yeah. So we go there and um, we're having lunch with my buddy and he, and I don't really know him that well. I just train with him or whatever. And he's like, Hey man, so what's the whole thing with this hypnosis stuff I see you post about? And he's asking me like, what, like, what is it? How does it work? And I said, rather than me telling you, why don't I just show you? So we go upstairs in this private room at the Performance Institute. You know, I hypnotize him, do my thing, whatever. Well, as we're leaving, we're walking down the stairs and we end up crossing paths with one of his former training partners. So they start chit-chatting back and forth. Like, oh, what are you guys doing? Blah, blah, blah. And my buddy's like, oh man, I just got hypnotized by my boy. Like, you should do it. I feel fucking great right now. Blah, 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 whatever. So I exchange uh, numbers with this guy. And it just so happened he had a fight coming up the very next week on the biggest pay-per-view card of the year. So for the UFC fans, it was when Israel Adesanya fought Kelvin Gastelum. So the guy who I'm talking about, his name is Khalil Roundtree. We exchanged numbers and we do some sessions leading up to the fight. And what, what was going on with him is, uh, and he, he had lost his last two fights. And in the last fight that he lost, he got brutally knocked out. Like he got elbowed and just felt just completely unconscious. And when a fighter goes through that, it really messes with them psychologically, right? Cause now they're afraid they're going to get knocked out. They, so he was yeah. going into his fight, like, dude, I, I, he thought he was going to lose. Like he was just like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to perform. So anyways, we did a handful of sessions next week rolls around. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm sitting there like with a, a bunch of my buddies and stuff, my training partners, and nobody else knows except me that I work with this guy. So he comes out and again, it's pay-per-view is like the third fight on the card. He starts walking out and I'm like, I'm so nervous. I've never been more nervous in my life. Literally, like even fights that I've been in, I haven't even been that nervous because I'm sitting there and I'm watching. I'm like, oh my God, like this is a defining moment. If this guy gets knocked out right now, that's it. I'll probably never be able to work with a professional fighter again because they're going to go, well, fuck, that shit didn't work, right? <laughs> right, right, right. So he goes out and he ends up putting on his best performance in his career. Like even still to this day, he's had knockouts and stuff, but like skill for skill performance, his best, best performance ever. What was interesting was as he was fighting, uh, Joe Rogan and Daniel Cormier, the announcers, literally said this word for word. Oh my God. This is the best Khalil Roundtree we've ever seen. It's like he got over a mental block. So I'm sitting here watching this. I'm like, oh shit, I helped him with that mental block. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is yeah. fucking, this is, this is surreal to me. Cause you got to remember six weeks before that, I was selling insurance, hating my life. Now I'm working <laughs> with professional fighters at the highest level, helping them, you know, perform. So anyways, he, he destroys the other guy. Like he just beat the crap out of him and uh, he ended up winning a $50,000 bonus. Cool. Well, then two weeks later, he did so good in that fight that Joe Rogan had him on his podcast and he's, you know, Rogan asked him, he's like, yo, what did you do to prepare for this fight? Because you were not like, you were a different human being. And he's like, yeah, you know, I got hypnotized in Vegas by this guy named Dom. And so they talked about, it. he's like, yeah, man, I just thought I was going to lose. I was super anxious. And we just did the, you know, we did our sessions and everything I visualized came true in the fight. Here's the best part of the whole story is the guy that he beat up was listening to the podcast and he heard him talk about how he got hypnotized. So then he ended up getting a hold of me through some mutual friends. Matter of fact, my first buddy, the guy I told you about, the, we went to the performance institute. So we jump on a call and he's like, yo man, um, he goes, whatever you did to him, I need you to do it to me. 
He goes, I'm on a three fight losing streak. That was my worst performance in my entire career. He goes, if I lose one more fight, that's it. Like the UFC is going to cut me. So I was like, okay, cool. So I work with him leading up to his next fight. He goes out, knocks out his opponent in a minute and 19 seconds in the first round. He wins a $50,000 bonus and he secures his job in the UFC. And then after that, like having those kind of back-to-back things happen, my credibility just shot through the roof. I started working with more UFC fighters, NFL athletes, Olympic athletes. And now the reason I share that is because that all happened literally like six to eight weeks after I got out of the hypnosis course. Like my entire life just went shoot to this whole different thing. It was so crazy. And wow. it's not even, I'm not, I'm not here to brag. Cause it doesn't, none of that really matters. It's it, like that happened years ago. I say that because it's to inspire people to give them a little bit of hope that like, dude, I could just be one decision away from my entire reality changing, you know, from like me just co- completely leveling up. So, yeah. And then now, you know, we, you and I were talking about before um, now, you know, I have a team of hypnotherapists that work for me. We're doing a live event coming up. We're doing live events where we have hundreds of people come out. I hypnotize them in person. We do all this fun stuff and we're doing those multiple times a year and retreats and all that. And it's just crazy because all that happened in, in less than five years. It's just like, boom. It's insane. I love that, Dom. I mean, this stuff is so powerful. I'm just, wow, what a story. Well, I mean, it's insane because like you said, one decision away from changing your entire reality. But if you had not had the courage to move forward, you wouldn't be here right now, you know? And it's interesting how it all kind of came about. You know, when you say yes to certain things and you show up, like had you never gone to that lunch at the Performance Institute, like could this ever have happened? Yeah, right? no, it wouldn't have. It, you know what's funny so about that is what 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 happened was there's a part of that story that I leave out because it's kind of long, but what actually happened was I I called my buddy up. I'm like, hey, I need help getting a couch so I could have my clients. I did my I live in like a shitty apartment and I'd have my clients come to my apartment and I'd work with them. And so he's like, All right, I gotta do I think I said my buddy called me. I didn't mean to say that. I called my buddy for help to get the couch. He's like, All right, I'll t- I'll do it, but we gotta be fast because I'm going to the performance institute. So we go across town to get the couch and the guy who I'm buying the couch from, like he's taking forever. So finally, like after waiting all this time, we get the couch. He's like, yo man, I don't have time to drop you back off home. Do you want to just go to the performance institute? So I'm like, hell yeah. So had that guy, had that guy like been on time, the timing would have been, it was just literally like, you couldn't have scripted it even better. It was just, it just ended up being so perfect with the timing, literally five seconds too early. Or five seconds late, we would have missed them. And none of that stuff would have happened. You know what I mean? So I know that, um, I know, I'm not going to say I believe, because I know, I know that we all have a purpose in life. And your purpose isn't necessarily your career and what you do for a living. It can be part of it. And I know everybody has, everybody has a certain purpose. And I know for me, what happened was, I stepped into my purpose without realizing it. Remember, when I got out of the course, I said, it was like I had an epiphany. I'm like, oh my God, this is what I was put on this earth to do. It's like, I've been fucking up the past 12 years doing this insurance thing. Like looking back on it, it wasn't, but like at the time, like, oh my God, this is it. It was almost like I was kind of like born to do it, I guess you could say. And it, yeah. it was like, I've been searching for this thing my whole life. And I finally found it. I'm like, oh my God, this is the thing. This is the thing I've been searching for. So I know, and I'm, I'm being very particular because people will say, oh, how do you know, or how do you prove it or belief or no, no, I know. 
that when you align with your purpose, everything gets out of your way. And it's just like, it's, it just becomes almost like a rocket to the top. It's just like, you just end up shooting out. So that's, I just got lucky, you know, I guess you could say. Absolutely. I love that Dom. And I love your passion for it too. And it's funny because like you said, when things align, I mean, the universe is like everything out of the way, divine timing made it happen. And then everything just clears out the minute that you decide to say yes and show up is when everything unfolds for you. And mm -hmm. I mean, regarding the hypnosis, I mean, I'm, I'm so intrigued. I'm sure there's people listening that are like, okay, so what are the biggest misconceptions about hypnosis and you know what are some of the biggest like benefits of it um, yeah because there's all kinds of stuff out there right <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so so when i first moved to vegas before i got into hypnosis one of the first things my fiance and i did is we went to a hypnosis show and so i'm sitting there i'm watching the thing and i was skeptical right i'm like oh is this real is it fake whatever so the guy does this thing and he brings a bunch of people up on stage and sends some people away and then there's like 10 people right and he's having them do all kinds of stupid shit, right? Like just hump and blow up dolls and just wild stuff, right? And I'm sitting there and I'm watching this and I'm like, man, these people are not actors. Like I thought that's what it would be, right? Like, oh, you got actors in the crowd, you pay some people and they're going to come on stage and pretend or whatever. But like you could clearly see it in their eyes, like just everything about them that they weren't acting. It seemed as though they were under some type of spell, right? Like, oh my God, he's doing something. This is black magic or whatever, right? So that was my initial thought, right? But when I saw it though, I knew it wasn't fake anymore. I was like, oh, it's real. I don't know what it is, but it's it's real. There's no actors, no nothing. So then when you actually learn about what happens in the whole like behind the scenes is in, in with, with those types of people is, so he does a hypnosis induction, a hypnotic induction with the entire crowd. So I don't know, maybe 200 people or whatever it is. Out of those people, he invites a certain amount of people up on stage. So there's like 40 people that will come up on stage, right? And then out of those 40 people, he, go, he goes even deeper into an induction. And out of that, there's only 10 people, right? And then those are the 10 people he has to do his thing. Well, what I learned later on is that everybody can be hypnotized it just depends to what degree, what level, where they're currently at mentally and how open they are in that moment. Now, that doesn't mean that if they're not open, then they can't be open in the future. Now, I'll share with you why, what I mean by that uh, in a second. But uh, what I learned is that the people that you have go up on stage like that, those are typically people who are outgoing already. Like they're already kind of those people who like to be the center of attention and stuff like that. And what happens is the bet and uh what's his name howie who's the bald guy that did the millionaire show how he doesn't like touching people's hands howie oh yeah i know who you mean you know what i'm talking I about right I'm blanking howie... out yeah 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 something howie something <laughs> yeah howie that guy howie so he actually had a guy hypnotize him and he he doesn't like touching people's hands like a germaphobe well when he hypnotized him the hypnotist had him touch people's hands and stuff and then later on after he was like kind of traumatized a little bit from it he got over it but like the way he described it is perfect. He said, he goes, it's real. He goes, you know what's going on, but what it feels like, it feels like you just had a couple of glasses of wine and your, your inhibition wow. has just kind of been lowered. So you're, you know what's going on. You have control, but you're just more open to doing it. And that's what it is. It's like, you go in, your mind is very like, we're not in that relaxed state. We're just like all there nervous. And then you relax and it's literally, it's like you had a couple of drinks and you're kind of just like, fuck it. Right. You're like, ah, oh, I'll go up there, whatever. And then you kind of play along with this thing. Right. 
So that's, that's what it is. And again, one of the biggest mix, misconceptions is that it's like demonic and all this stuff. It's funny because I'll, uh, not, not all Christians, but I'll have Christians, they, they, they'll message me, oh, hypnosis is demonic and this and that. And I say, really? You know, you're grabbing somebody's hand and you're making them go sleep, which they're not really sleeping. You're putting them into a trance. It's a completely different thing. But I, my response to them is always this. I say, okay, Jesus walked on water. He turned water into wine. He healed people with his hands. He fed people, a thousand people, the loaf of bread. He performed all these miracles, which if I started walking on water right now, you would think I was playing with the devil's, the dark arts, right? If yep. I started levitating yep. right now, you go, whoa, dude, this guy's worshiping the devil. No, it's none of that. It's that we, we all have these different capabilities. We're just not really taught how to tap into them. And usually right. once I say that, they, they, they don't even respond. And they go, oh, now here's, here's what I will say about hypnosis. Hypnosis is neither good nor bad. It's just a tool. So can it be used to manipulate people in a negative way? Absolutely. Like there's, there's whole sectors of like guys that use hypnosis to get laid and stupid shit like that. Right. And they use it to manipulate women and all this kind of weird stuff. So can it be used for negative? Absolutely. But guess what it can also be used for? It could be used to save someone's life. And I've done it before. And, I, and not to say from an egotistical standpoint, I've had people literally come to me like, Dom, I'm ready to kill myself. I don't know what to do. I've been to the, the psychiatrist. They gave me pills. I've tried this. I've tried that. I don't know what to do. And we do our thing. And what it is, they just got a lot of shit in their head that they can't, they don't know how to get out. They don't know how to resolve. And so their mind is so like overwhelmed. They're like, dude, if the only way I can stop these thoughts is to kill myself, that's my only option. Well, you could take them through a process to clear all that out suddenly they don't want to kill themselves anymore. So it's not a matter of is hypnosis good or bad. It's a matter of how is it being used? Again, a knife could be used to cut your steak or it could be used to slit someone's throat. How is the knife bad? No, it's just a tool. So mm. those are the, the, the common misconceptions. And then the other one is that only weak-minded people can be hypnotized. And it's, a, it's literally the exact opposite. The most strong and strongest-minded people in the world are the easiest to do hypnosis. You know, I've worked with, NFL athletes, Olympic gold medalists, UFC fighters, uh, Navy SEALs, special operations, and they are the easiest to be hypnotized. You know why? Because if somebody comes to me to be hypnotized and they want a, a special, a specific outcome, they have to follow steps, right? They have to follow a certain process to get the outcome that they want. And when you have a high performer, the high performer comes and says, I'll do whatever it takes to make this happen. Oh, you want me to, you know, do this and do that and close my eyes and blah, 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 blah. I will do it. The weak-minded person goes, they start having that, that experience and they go, oh, I can't do it. No, it's not working for me. No, 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 no. The, 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 that's not how it works. The strong-minded people go, oh, you want me to do this? Okay, I'm going to do it. Yes, I'm going to get, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to get the specific outcome that I want. So those are the main misconceptions that it's only for weak-minded people or that not everybody can be hypnotized. Look, again, if somebody's willing to go up on stage and hump a blow up doll to make everybody laugh, I don't know about you, but that takes some, you know what? So yep. I don't think that person's weak minded at all. I think that person is uh, very courageous and ballsy to be able to put themselves in that situation. I think it's the people that sit in the crowd and they go, no, what are people going to think of me? I don't want to. And I used yeah. to be that guy. So I'm not judging, but it's like, those are the people that, 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 that would be to me considered weak minded. So those are, those are the misconceptions. 
I love that. I love that. Tom. Thank you so much for breaking that down. And, you know, what would be your biggest piece of advice like to anybody listening when it comes to like hypnosis and, and that kind of thing? Yeah. So you had asked earlier, what can it be used for? So look, yeah. everything is hypnosis. Okay. Uh, if somebody's listening to this podcast right now and they found themselves imagining and wandering off in their mind and they're driving their car and they snap back to it and they're like, whoa, this guy, the way he talks, I don't know, or the way you talk, it put me into a trance. It kind of made me go somewhere for a moment. Guess what? That's what hypnosis is. If you've ever been so engulfed in a movie that three, two, three hours felt like it went by in an hour. And like there was, there was moments where like you were almost imagining yourself as the character or you're imagining like that all these things were real or you were almost even wishing like, how cool would this be if this was real? Guess what? The people that are writing those stories, they use hypnosis in their scripts. The people that are using the music, everything, all that stuff is purposely done to suck you into the story. So when mm. I say everything is hypnosis, everything is hypnosis. So <laughs> hypnosis can be used to help improve with essentially anything. Now, is it like a miracle cure and stuff like that? I've seen some pretty crazy miracles in my time. So I would say yes. Now, does that mean it's a hundred percent? Like if my, my, if I have terminal cancer, can somebody just snap their fingers, say sleep and I wake up and it's gone. I mean, I, I don't know, <laughs> you know, maybe I, I've, I've never seen that, but that doesn't mean it's not open for possibility because again, I've seen many miracles that, that, that I didn't think were possible at one point, but for anybody who wants to, you know, they want to, they want to get rid of shit in their head. Like just, man, I just keep thinking about my ex from five years ago, or man, I keep thinking about this business failure. I had when I, you know, two years ago, or man, I keep thinking about this stupid thing that happened when I was a child or my, this or my, that, and you want to get rid of that stuff. And you want to create a more empowering belief system. You want to create empowering habits, discipline, things like that. Then that's, that's what hypnosis is used for. I absolutely love that, Dom. Oh my God. It's so, it's so cool to see how like everything actually is hypnosis. Like so many of this, these things are intertwined. It's amazing. And Music this is my is favorite. One of the question. most hypnotic, you know, tools on the planet, you know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. Yeah. That's like me when I'm listening to Drake with the car volume on max, you know, no kids yeah. in the car, of course. <laughs> uh, I'm like, as you were saying that, I'm like, that mother, I'm like, he probably has all that trans stuff in, in his, in his music. And I'm like, cause I always get lost in it. I always get lost. In they know it. what oh they're doing. You, you know, those guys go to school to become sound engineers. They know all, they know if I, if I turn it to this frequency, this is going to make you horny. If I turn it to this frequency, this is going to make you pissed off. If I turn it to this frequency, this is going to make you tired. Like they know all the frequencies, how it makes you feel. They know all that stuff. So oh you ever, God. yeah, you know. That's so powerful, Dom. Oh my gosh. And and this is my favorite question. And I save it for last because it's my favorite one. So Dom, in your whole life experience, what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? The one oh thing. Oh my God. I say this all the time. You know, when I got out of that that free course my mom bought me, the guy offered up the $3,500 course, right? The week after the week. And I was like, bro, I don't got no money. <laughs> like I, you know, the week, the course was 3,500 bucks. I had $1,700 in my bank account. Remember I let all my credit cards go. So it wasn't like I could get a loan, nothing, no credit cards. And I had 1,700 bucks and I really didn't because I had $700 was due for rent in like five days. So I like basically had $1,000. And it's funny, the guy's like, okay, you know, put a thousand dollars down and we'll make payments. I'm like, bro, you don't understand. Like if I give you a thousand dollars, that's 
I won't have gas money to get me to work for the, so, so I can get my next paycheck, you know? So anyways, you know, he said some things that really clicked with me and, and I said, okay, let's do it. So I put like $900 down and I made payments. And it was funny because every single, it was like a $600 payment or whatever. Every month that payment would come out leading up to the course. I was like, damn, dude, I think I might just want to cancel it. Like it was, it was, it was tough, right? Like it was just every month scraping by. And by the way, I just started doing hypnosis simultaneously, right? So when like, I'm, I'm like barely making it every month, making like 2,500 bucks, three grand. So I didn't have a lot of money. And, uh, but every, but when I went to the course and I, you know, I did the thing, the only thing I regret about any of that stuff. And I probably spent with that company, $60,000 in going to different courses that they have. And every single one of them has been worth it. Um, but the only thing I wish, uh, if I could tell my younger self would be like, dude, you got to learn this stuff when you're like seven, you know what I mean? Like you got to figure out how to do, go into your mind and learn how to communicate with yourself when you're just a little kid and grow and learn and build your skill set over your entire lifetime, because it would save people a lot of trauma, a lot of, a lot of just, just bullshit, you know, addiction and family problems and any, anything you can think of. And it's all just people's, you know, there, a lot of people are hurt. And when you're hurt, you do things to hurt other people. And it's just like, you know, so I would say you got to learn, not even necessarily like become a hypnotist when you're seven, but just learn how to communicate with yourself. You know, we have this beautiful computer of our brain, right? And nobody ever gives us the manual to this thing. And they just go, Hey, there you go. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, have fun. It's like, no. And that's what, what really what we do. And I do is help people understand how the computer works. How do we find files that, that are just corrupting our computer? How do we find the viruses? How do we find the old files from 10 years ago that are slowing my computer down? How do we delete all that stuff? Okay, cool. How do we upgrade our software? How do we use these things? That's really what we do uh, with clients. So that's what I would tell myself, figure it out when you're, when you're a kid, you know, <laughs> my daughters are so lucky. God, they're so lucky that I'm going to be able to like, know because I know how much every interaction, how much it can, it can actually affect a kid when they're young. That doesn't mean yeah. I'm perfect, but it, it makes me such a better parent because I know I'm like, Oh, when this happened to me, when I was two or three, that created this stupid belief. And I lived my whole life through that filter. And you know what I mean? So yeah, oh, yeah. That's what I, would do. I love that. Um, I love that. My gosh, I'm sure everyone's listening to this. It was like, Oh my God, this is incredible stuff as Hopefully. they should. Cause I'm mind blown myself, Donovan. Like, Oh my goodness. I just love it. I love hearing your story in detail, all of the things. Now, what have you guys got coming up that we can connect with you and just like any links you can drop anything like that. So that way anybody who's listening can touch base with you and, and check out all your amazingness and all the things. Yeah. So as of right now, this may change in the future, but as of right now, every Saturday morning, I do a free live hypnosis session and we mo mostly focus on breaking through any fears, any procrastination, anything that you feel like, Hey, I, I want to level up in this area, but I'm not doing it right. If you're not going to the gym, but you need to be, if you're not eating healthy, you need to be, if you're, you know, not putting yourself out there in relationships. If you're, you know, you're not taking action as much as you want in your business, that kind of stuff to help you just break through to the ceiling. You know, most of the people that that I work with and that we work with are business owners and salespeople. And usually it's it's like, hey man, you know, my business is going good, but I'm lacking discipline in my my eating, right? Or I got I'm really good at eating and I got the discipline in my business, but like 
for some reason, I'm not really putting myself out there in a relationship or whatever, or their diet, their, their eating is good. They're working out. The relationship is good, but like their business isn't going how they want, right? Maybe they need to expand higher, whatever. So anyways, I do a, a session on Saturday to really show people the power of it. And so they can feel it for themselves. So I'll give you a link and you can put that in your description or whatever. And if people want to go to it, they just go register and we do it on Saturday. And I, I go into a little bit more about hypnosis as well. And then right now, we have an event coming up next week. We're pretty much at capacity. I think we have like 20 seats in person left and those will be gone by, by this weekend. But we do have April, July, and October. I have a two and a half day event that I do. It's a personal development event. So it's not really like, I'm not teaching hypnosis. I'm more using it to help people. Kind of like a Tony Robbins seminar. And uh, so, yeah. So if anybody wants to go to that, they can contact us to get tickets. I, again, I recommend coming to the Saturday call because you'll get to actually feel it and experience it. And then you can find me on Instagram, YouTube, just type in Dom the Hypnotist and uh, TikTok, all that kind of stuff is just Dom the Hypnotist. I love it, Dom. Thank you so much for being here today. Appreciate you, your story, yeah, you all the me. things. Thank you so, so much, my friend. Thank you, Pamela. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Catch us next week, always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love. All we know is overtime, working like some underdogs. Underdogs.